Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Yeah? Good. You look better than, than that sound. You guys are feeling all right this morning? Yeah, everybody doing good? It's good to see you guys. Welcome to Fathom Church. If this is your first time, let me just welcome you. And uh, I hope I'm welcoming you home. And uh, if this is your first time or last time, we're really glad you're here. Uh, and we just hope this really can be a place where you can grow in your faith, you can grow in family. Uh, that's really a beautiful thing about this place is that uh, we just wrap our arms around uh, whoever walks in and, and whoever we get to encounter uh, in this life and just call them family. Uh, we're all sons and daughters of God, and so we're really glad that you're here. Uh, last week, we kicked off this brand new series called Family Matters, and uh, we, remember we got to do the sing-along last week. We did the Family Matters sing-along, so I was going to do that this week, but this video was, was too good to not do. So, um, but today, we're going to be taking a, a step further um, into really talking about love, and, and so that's kind of one of the core elements of this whole series in family is love, right? It kind of holds the family together. And uh, we think it's even deeper than that. Uh, really what we're talking about over starting last week and then for the next couple of weeks uh, is really how the love and the grace of God, when we, we encounter that, that grace, when we encounter the love of God through Jesus, uh, it transforms everything. You can't stay the same. It transforms you in, in really three specific ways, in a lot of ways, but in three specific ways over the next couple of weeks, what we're talking about. One is how it, it transforms us into more grateful people. It's Thanksgiving, right? We're going to talk about how it transforms us into more grateful people. And we begin to view everything with this lens of the gratitude that we have towards Jesus for what he did for us. But not only the gratitude, but uh, just the, um, the gentleness of Jesus. Now we begin to interact with people differently. Um, so that the gratitude is one aspect of it. The, the gentleness of Jesus, our interaction looks like that. And then the, sec- and the last one is uh, we're more generous. Because of that gratitude, because of that interaction, we're more generous. And, and we don't hold everything with a closed hand and a closed fist, but we an open hand because we realize how, how gracious Jesus has been to us, how generous he was to us, and how, how uh, generous the Father was in giving his only son for us. And so that's what is kind of setting the, the, the kind of bed for this entire series. And today, uh, we're taking, uh, you know, the, really the core of it, which is love. And I'm joined by my love, uh, my wife, Taryn, up here. Are you guys excited to see Taryn up here? I'm so excited, and so she's going to be, uh, we're going to be teaching together, and uh, she's going to kind of dig us in here to get us started, so. He likes to do anything that makes my face turn red, Oh, that was so, the least of it. It'll um, get bad. <laughs> It'll get bad today. I'm just telling um, you. Yeah. Um, so today, just to get started, I'm going to open up with a little funny story, you know, just to make everyone feel a little extra awkward, <laughs> uh, just so you know that we're not going to go super crazy, serious, deep for the whole time. Um, the first time that we ever said I love you to each other was quite a funny thing. You know, you kind of imagine this beautiful, romantic moment with the sunset behind you. And so we had been dating for a couple of months, I think, and we were sitting on my parents' couch in their living room. And um, I, lo- I looked at him, and I think we both kind of knew but we just thought, it's two months. You can't say I love you in two months. So we just kind of like, I like you a whole lot. We just did that whole thing for a while. And so one night we were sitting on the couch. and I, I love spending time with you. I love so much you. about you. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we were sitting on the I couch. I love your eyes. And I said to him, <laughs> Ease it in what, what if I told you something? And he, I think he knew where I was going, but he humored me and... Um, my nervousness, I guess. And he said, what? I said, what if I told you that I loved you? 
And he said, well, I would say that I love you too. <laughs> so we kind of had that wonderful romantic moment of saying I you love you for the like, first time. You guys get um, to like most intimate parts of our life or close to the most intimate parts of our life. Yeah. <laughs> the first time we said I love um, you. So that's our I love you story. But um, really what we want to kind of dive into today, because I think a lot of people, we've just all grown up in different homes and settings and I grew up in a home where my mom probably said I love you like 10,000 times a day but some people they don't ever hear that in their home it doesn't mean their family doesn't love them or you know doesn't they're not crazy about them but they just they don't throw that out and then there's some families where they hear it all the time and then there's some people that just don't hear it at all and so we we kind of just want to zone in on a scripture this morning and see what God says about love and um, I'm not as good as Kyle with the whole notes thing. So if, I, if you ever see me, like, doing this, <laughs> I'm just trying to remember what's coming up next. Um, but we also live in a society where, like, we love Justin Bieber and, like, pizza. And so, like, there's just such this different, like, I love you and to God I love you and then I love my iPhone update. It just doesn't like match. So we're, we're really going to kind of just bring it down into the scripture and what God says about love and, and what that is and how, how it affects us and then how it should affect the way that we treat others. Um, and we, if you're not married in here, don't freak out because we're not just going to talk about marriage um, kind of love because the truth of the matter is that God compels everyone to love, that it's a commandment. Love your neighbor. Love your enemy. Love love is wrapped in the whole, I mean, you just can't have it without love. So don't, don't be mad at us if you're not married and you think that, you know, why did you wake up in this morning to have frizzy hair, um, this beautiful weather, to hear about something that doesn't apply to you? Because um, the truth is it, it just does. I just call it curly. I don't call it frizzy. That's all I call it. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Because Jesus took it even further. He didn't just say, like, love God, love your family. He said, love your enemies. He said, bless those who curse you. So G- Jesus took this thing really far. And the truth of the matter is that Scripture tells us in, in uh, the Gospel of John that God is love. I mean, we're used to hearing Jesus loves you. But let's, let's take that a step further. God is love. That means every other definition of love revolves around the understanding that he, he, in his being, is love. He doesn't have to try. It is within him. And I love the idea as us, as believers and children of God, that uh, this relationship we're in, that at some point, it's a, it's a dream, it's a goal, that, that we would not just act in love, but we would, we would live, like we would be love, like we would somehow in our essence, like we would just love, and it would become as natural as breathing to us, and that's what Jesus can transform us into all those ways, and so we're going to read a scripture together um, in 1 Corinthians 13, many of you have heard this, whether you've been in church uh, much time at all, uh, you've heard it in different places, and that's where we get love never fails, that that line, and a bunch of uh, other great um, scripture uh, here. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to look at the whole thing. So let's go ahead and toss that up. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but I don't have love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. 1 Corinthians 12 has been all about spiritual gifts. So all these things that God works through us 
things uh, like leadership or you know, prophecy and all these gifts, wisdom, knowledge, administration, all these things that, that, that God use, that does through us. And he's saying, look, if you, don't have, if you can have everything in the world like that, but if you don't have love, you got nothing. If I have a gift of prophecy and can fathom, I love it when I see fathom in text, uh, all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have a faith, you guys probably think I just do a search, where's fathom at in scripture? No, that's not how it came about. That's not why it's up here. And if I have a faith that can move mountains, like that's big faith, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast. He's talking about being a martyr. He's talking about giving away everything you have and then giving your life, you know, that you could boast. But if you don't have love, you still, you gain nothing. He's talking big language about this thing of love. And so if some of us are be like, oh, love, fluffy, you know, you know, whatever message, this is a big deal to Paul right here as he's talking to the Corinthian church. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. That's really hard, all that stuff. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they'll cease. Where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes or perfection comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, and I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away the childhood, my ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection, as in a mirror. Uh, and the mirror that he's talking about here is a poor kind of viewing mirror. I'll talk about more in a second. Then, he's talking about the age to come, we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. If you'll go back to verse 12, and we're going to spend a few minutes there, and then we're going to go back to verse 7. There's a lot of incredible content in here, and just really the depth of what Paul is getting at. Like, look, he's just basically saying, you can have anything you want in the world, but if you don't have love, you're missing it. You're missing it. And some of us may be sitting in here, and, and we really think we're conquering this Christian life, but we don't have love. Like, love isn't, I'm not saying possess it, I'm just saying we live it. And, and one of the things that we're going to look at here in just a second is all these are active verbs, um, that we're living them out. But I, I think before we can get to, and we're going to spend our time today in verse 7, uh, it always protects, it, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. We're going to look at that here in just a second. And those are outflows of love. But outflows, really, we can't talk about those unless we talk about where the inflow of love, because you cannot give what you do not have. And some of us have had rocky starts on, uh, really, relationships and tried to make things work, and, and, and I don't know, but there's just a good chance that you cannot give what you do not have. And really understanding this love that God gives us is really, is really a starting place to have an outflow of love to the people around us. I, I believe it's the purest form of it, in fact, because God is... Love. Uh, and so moving to, to verse 12, let's look at this for just a second uh, on really the inflow of love because God, 
God loves us. In fact, he pursues us. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I was in middle school, uh, I, you know, I had little girlfriends here and there, but I had kind of the same routine that I would run with them, is basically, after a little while, I would break up with them before they could break up with me. It was like, that was winning, you know, <laughs> was just breaking, like, because I think in my brain, I thought at some point, they're going to realize I'm not perfect, because I was beginning to realize they're not perfect, and, and in this, I thought, you know, once they find out I'm not perfect, they're not going to want me, and the thought of rejection just scares me. And I think it scares most of us. And some of you, even in this room, you may feel like you're unlovable. But what we have to know about the love of God is it's, it's not a passive love. It is an active law that pursues us. I mean, some of you are here, and you're here, and, and all you were trying to do is run away from here. All you were trying to do is run away from the church. All you were trying to do is run away from God. And somehow, and somehow you're here. God's love is pursuing us, and, and some of the most beautiful psalms, is, it talks about the mercy and the grace of God following us every single day of our life. And that's kind of a cool thought, because I make some messes, <laughs> and even when I'm trying, on my best day, I feel like I miss it sometimes. I'm trying to get my mind right, I'm trying to do everything right, and then I miss it. And I'm thankful that the mercy and grace follows me. His love pursues me. Um, and that's what we see here. And I think that that sets the framework for us to be able to love. Uh, because with some of us battling this idea of not even being lovable, and we think we've got to, you know, um, live up to some, some standard before God will love us. But God loved you before you even had a thought of him. Before you ever considered getting your act together, he pursued you. In fact, I think the whole idea of you thinking about changing some things in your life or longing for purpose, I think is because God loves you. I think it is within you and your essence that God created you that way. To not only love, but to be loved. And before we talk about loving others, just for a second and a moment, can we just take a, a thought and just say that God I mean, like in his essence, he has created me and he knows me fully. Look at that verse 12. Look at that verse 12. You see a reflection is in a mirror. The mirror they're talking about is a steel mirror. It, these aren't glass mirrors. It's a steel mirror. Like you can't, it's so like foggy of a reflection that you can't really see. And he's talking about then we shall see. Then is the age to come. We shall see face to face, and now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known, that God knows you. He knows you fully, and he's not running from you. He, he knows you. Like, it, there's nothing to hide. Like, you, we do our best to hide from everybody else because we think that will affect the loving relationship we have going on, try to hide everything, but he knows us fully. You cannot run from God. <laughs> it's just a perception of running from God. God is omnipresent, so... Good luck with that. If you're, if you're going to run, good luck with it. Um, but I have a good chance that, that you're, you're, um, you're not going to make, <laughs> make it very far in that. So we're going to turn to verse 7 and really dive in because I think this verse 12 just sets up our identity in Christ, that he knows us fully and being known in him. And it really changes the way we live, live it out. So Taryn's going to kick us off here with protects. For sure. Um, so I, a little bit about kind of myself is I... It's just me and my brother growing up, and um, I'm older than him, so he, and he was always, it took him forever to grow, like he's really tall now, but like it seems like for a long time he was just, 
I was taller than him, you know, so I was like the big sis. And um, anytime anybody picked on him or probably even looked at him funny, I was like, mama bear, like, don't mess with my brother or I will. And I'm like, you know, my dad says I'm like 95 pounds sopping wet or whatever. So like, what am I going to do to somebody? But still, I was like ready to fight. Like, do not mess with Clint or I will. I don't know what I would do, but uh, I would be real serious about it. And then when we got married, I was the same way with Kyle. Like when you're in the ministry, your life is in this glass box and everyone has something to say like they want to know I don't I don't know they just want to know everything about you which we have nothing to hide but still sometimes people say stuff about you and it comes back to you and you're like oh no you're not going to say that about my husband (laughs) and like so I would just be like no you know and so it kind of became a joke and we were college pastors and uh, people were like just don't mess don't say anything about Kyle around Taryn because she she will be so mad at you and like I don't know what I would have done but I still like to threaten I guess um so watch out if you say anything about Kyle I will get you <laughs> um I know that's you very cut I'll cut you no get no, I'll get you get you <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna cut anybody as we say around my house I'm liable to do anything <laughs> I'm no, liable no to do cutting anything. I'm not gonna be doing that <laughs> but anyway so that's the, that's the protection that I grew better. up with it was like you fall down I pick you up or you you know you need protection because of something that happened to you so I protect you. Actually, I'm looking in the back corner, and I see my in-laws, and we're so glad that they're here today. Um, but I think, well, I don't think. I know I did that with Beckett when he was first born. And um, we had this conversation that one time that, you know, they probably thought I was, like, didn't trust them or something. But it's just, like, you kind of have this thing, and it, you want to protect it, even though, obviously, they're not there to hurt him. But so that was like my my thing, like I'm going to protect, don't mess with the people that I love or whatever. But the cool thing about this protects in verse seven is we I started studying it. And in another version, it's bears all things. It love bears all things. This version that we're using is it always protects. Um, The Greek word here is it's stego, S. T-E-G-O, stego. Like stegosaurus. Um, yeah, just like stegosaurus. <laughs> um, say that's where it came from. <laughs> stego is a, the Greek word that means like to cover, to hold up, to, um, it's kind of, when I was reading, I read this um, commentation, that's not a word. Commentary? Commentary. Nailed, nailed it. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I'm not sleeping very much. We have a three-week-old. <laughs> So commentation sounds good today. Um, I was reading a commentary, and this man said, it's like not letting water into a ship. And so I started thinking, I'm like, you know what, God? The love that you, here I go. The love that you're talking about is not like I fall down, you pick me up. It's like before you fall down, I'm protecting you. It's, It's this action verb that is very proactive instead of reactive. I think a lot of times, yeah, you say you're going to protect your family or you're going to protect your house. Of course you are, but you're thinking you're going to protect them from if something happens or, you know, because we live in a crazy world and things happen. 
But this kind of love that God is challenging us to give is this proactive, before anything even happens type protection. And I think that's so awesome because he, he said it's like this stego word is like the thatch covering of a roof. Like, why do you put a roof on your house so the rain doesn't come in? You know, why do you, why do you want to make sure water doesn't come in your boat so that you don't sink? And so if we have and we carry that type of protection for the ones that we love, even for the ones that we don't love, um, you know, I don't really know everyone in here very well. But if I heard somebody talking about you, I'm going to keep the water out of your ship the best that I can. That doesn't mean that I'm going to let go around lying about you just because I want to protect you, you know. Um, but at the same time, it's this protection that keeps keeps you from not just protecting, like like I said, from picking off the floor, but really before anything happens, you're protecting them. And to know that God protects us like that is the most awesome thing because he is picking me up every day. And I'm so grateful for that. But before I fall, he's, he's like laying down this soft pad. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's proactively pursuing and protecting me. And so that challenges me to be like that for you. And hopefully you for the person next to you. Um, so that's love always protects. Yeah, absolutely. And there was this great video that went viral this week that's an incredible example of what it looks like. And uh, sometimes it's proactive, sometimes it's reactive. I think the two can be in the same. I think if you leave yourself open, just praying, God, let me, let me love someone by just protecting them in whatever way that might be, either verbally or physically. Here's a really great example. I think this guy knows Jesus from what I hear. Pretty powerful story about really uh, keeping our eyes open and being proactive in that. And, and even reaction, I mean, even with the reactive thing, the uh, thing about this verb, it's a present tense verb um, that we protect. And I mean, my buddy Corey up here, he's, he's a, a former offense lineman um, in school. And uh, man, think about offense lineman, you're, you're incredibly active and your job is to protect the quarterback, and really anyone that is, uh, you know, we should, we should be loving each other like that, just in protecting each other verbally, physically, and, and I think it should just be uh, natural to us after we realize that Jesus, in fact, has protected us. He has covered us 
Um, his blood has washed over us. Man, that's powerful. It, it makes us really open to begin to view people differently with, with maybe a little more gentle spirit like this gentle giant had to, uh, to, to take this woman off of a side of a bridge. It's pretty powerful. So let's look at the next, ver- the next part of that verse. And it's trust. And this is a tough one. Trust is a, is a tough one. Like, we have trouble trusting people. It's funny. We joke in our house anytime. We don't do a whole lot of snail mail. Everything's pretty digital these days, but we do a snail mail every once in a while, especially when she does thank you cards. And so anytime that she drops that in the mail, she gets it from her mama, and her mom gets it from her grandfather, and they're so skeptical about the mail. I'm like, and she's like, I don't know if it's going to get there. I need to call them. I wonder if they got that. I'm like, babe, you put it in the mail, therefore it got there. No one is, like, trying to steal your thank you cards. <laughs> like, it got there. Just take a chill pill. But we're all like that. We all kind of have some trust issues. We don't trust the mail. We don't trust the government. We don't trust the schools. We don't trust our neighbors. We, we don't trust our church. We don't trust our pastor. We don't trust the people sitting next to us. We don't trust anybody. We've lost all trust. We don't trust our bank account. How many times does it have to be compromised? You know what I mean? We don't trust anyone. This is the world we live in. But one, the funny thing about this verse 7 is, you know what verse shows up four, or what word shows up four times? Always. It always trusts. It always protects. I mean, it's like not sometimes. What does it say? It sometimes protects. It sometimes trusts. Sometimes hopes, sometimes perseveres. You never know. Doesn't feel like something you can really put your money in the bank, you know, on. But it says always. And what we tend to do when it comes to trusting people and trusting God, most importantly, is make excuses. Because we've got good ones. I mean, how many, I don't trust my bank anymore because my card's been compromised eight times this year. You know, I don't... T- has your mail ever not made it there? Yes. <laughs> Enough said. I'm not going to dig deeper, okay? I'm not going to get myself in trouble. But we have Just our reasons. Just trust me. I'll trust you. <laughs> we have our reasons for why we don't trust, and they're valid. But our doubts in people and systems and organizations cannot compromise or undermine our faith in God and our obedience to God. Let, let, let me just drop that again. Our, our doubts in people and systems can, cannot halt our, our obedience to God, our faithfulness to God, because there's going to be a time where God's going to tell you to trust people, to, to walk further in, in God's will. You're going to have to take a step of faith. And let me, just, let me just break this down. Our relationship of trusting people is so intertwined with us trusting God. Some of us have no community, we have, we have no friendships, we have no spiritual bonds with, with a, a believing community because we're afraid to trust because we got burnt once or twice or a dozen times. I know how that goes. I've been there. I've, been, I've done that. We've got burnt enough, and, and, and now we can't be a part of the church. We can't be a part of the, the community that God has designed. He's knit us together. He said that we're a body. We're a body. We're the body of Christ. Christ is the head. I mean, some of us are the feet. Some of us are the heart. Some of us are the eyes. And look, you're operating at at such a small level in in, in your life because you're not connected to the body. 
You've got no one to be your eyes. You don't have someone that to, to help, help you breathe on a daily basis when we just get stressed out and tense. Where are the lungs? I need to find my lungs. Okay, let me call my lungs. You know, Taryn will be my lungs. Babe, I'm, I'm stressed out. And she's like, D, take a deep breath. Okay, okay. We're not operating with the body, so we're not operating at full function because we doubt people. We don't trust people. Taryn said it uh, really great the other, other day when we were studying and talking through this. And she goes, we, we've got to strip away the butt. And I said, do what? She said, we've got to strip away the butt because the butt undermines our faith. Will you tell them the story of what, what you were talking about, of uh, how that was in your own life? How the butt under, not the yeah. butt, but the okay. word butt, <laughs> B-U-T. But here goes my red face. Um, Sorry. No, I think a lot of times in our hearts we really want to trust. And so we say, Lord, I trust you. But if this doesn't work out, it's okay, you know. And, and I think we do that all the time, like in my prayers. Um, you know, God, I know that this is going to happen, but, and then, I, you know, you finish the sentence, fill in the blank, whatever. And I think that God could maybe be offended by that. Like, wait a minute, you just said you trusted me. Mm-hmm. You just said you know that this is going to come forth then why are, we, why are we putting that butt in there? Is it just to make us look better when it doesn't happen? I actually read this thing yesterday um, that was talking about that scripture um, of delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And um, the writer said, thank God that he doesn't always give us exactly what we think we want, you know? And so instead of just saying, but, because it, it's like a way out. It's like our excuse. Like, well, that didn't happen because, you know, whatever. But if we, what if everything that we believed God for, that was really his desire, not our desire, what if we just really believed it? What if we said, I trust this, period, mm-hmm. instead of, I trust this, comma, but. You know, I think God would show up so much more if we, if we really held that confidence mm-hmm. um, yeah. in him. And we have, we have our doubts for a reason. I mean, we've heard a thing, give them the benefit of the doubt. And like, like I said, we've been burned. But the, the thing uh, with that that we've got to understand is that wisdom and discernment is not something that we should remove from the faith, faith process. It's something that we should, we should bring along the faith journey. Uh, wisdom to understand what we should do in certain circumstances. God's called you to be faithful and obedient. God has not called you to be stupid, I promise. And so if wisdom and discernment is telling you, okay, I need to really be careful as I enter this relationship, not not, not moving forward, I mean, I, I can move forward, but just be wise, look, you know, pay attention to the red flags, God's taught me this once before, I just need to be wise, I need to find the right people to get connected to. I'm not, you know, being obedient to Christ, and, and we, we deal with these doubts as of using wisdom, um, but God has not called us to be stupid. You know, and, and remember this, that man, that's a good quote, uh, by the way. <laughs> God's not called you to be stupid. Um, uh, man's wisdom is not um, God's wisdom. God's wisdom is so deep and so, so much higher than our own wisdom. So many times we seek that in other places, but God knows best. He, in fact, is love. And so I think this leads directly right into um, always hopes. Again, the word always hopes. And hopes Hope is something that, man, it, I feel like it's so elemental to life. And how people make it to the point where that woman was standing on the side of the bridge is because there is no more hope. 
hope died. And there, there may even be people in here like hope just seems so small right now. Financially, relationally, spiritually, just in life. Like, it seems so small right now. And that's all you've got. And if you're there, I get that. I can tell you stories where I felt like that. Where at the end of the day, all I can do is just cry. I got nothing else, you know. I got nothing else. I've felt that before. But, but as Christians, God, we view hope differently. Life is full because of the hope we have, not in our wisdom or our, our career path or because of our five-year plan or, or because of anything that we can really offer. Our hope is, in fact, in Jesus. We, we, we hope differently. And one of the things that, uh, that it's so funny that this is included in love is because the scripture says that we'll be known by our love for one another, and that hope is a part of that. There's this incredible study I heard years ago um, that was about mice being tested. And it's kind of sad. Some of you guys that don't like testing on animals, you're not going to like this story. Because <laughs> a small mice, mouse, a small mouse dies. Um, so they had these two kind of uh, simultaneous studies going on, and two different mice and they put them in just a small, like, dish of water. They weren't drowning. They weren't drowning. But they had very little, you know, they didn't give them food. They just, but, and, and for one of them, they completely darkened the room. It was completely black. Couldn't see a thing. And that mouse, you know, I don't remember how long it lasted, but it lasted for a, a day or so without, you know, food or water. I don't know the c- c- exact stat, but the, the mouse died. And the mouse right next to it, everything was exactly the same, same amount of water, same size dish, same size room. Everything was completely black, except there was one small light penetrating through the room. And that, that, that mouse lasted so much longer. It survived so much longer because of a glimmer of hope. Hope means everything. And when we lose it, we kind of lose everything. We lose our way, and let's just be real. We live in what feels like a hopeless generation. We do. I, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of getting a little bit older, and, and I start to like watching the news, but then I have this reaction of, like, I also don't like watching the news because I'm just, like, it hurts my heart. And some of us just need to remember that Jesus is our hope. Like, nothing else is our hope. Our hope is in Jesus and we can just take a deep breath and remember that our hope is in him. And I think there's two elements of hope that I want to point us to. One, it's confidence. It's not a wishing well. I, I, I wish it happens. I, I hope it, it happens. We almost, we've undermined that same idea just like we have trust. We underline our faith. We undermine it with this idea of numbing down the word. This kind of plays with love, it plays with protects, all these that we've numbed and, and watered down the words. And hope is not just a wish, hope is confident. Our hope is in Jesus and it is confident. And it's not just confident, it's joyful. I, I believe there's a joy in hope. Like that's, that's what can make you survive through, through the darkest of times, through difficult circumstances, is because of the hope we have in Jesus. Because you will encounter a time, if you have not already in your life, in which you feel like whatever you were placing all your trust and kind of hopes in, in this earth, it will be out from under you. And we'll really find out where your hope was. 
but then there's, there's others that your, your hope was in fact in Jesus and the world as you knew it fell out from under your feet. Finances, people, you name it, jobs will come out from under your feet and you'll come out shining like gold because your hope was in Jesus. And I'm not saying that as a proclamation or prophecy of bad things. I'm just saying we live in a fallen world, in a a dark world, and bad things happen. Sick things happen. Things aren't always perfect. But Jesus loves us. He is love. He is love. And we have that hope and this rest assured, it's confident and it's joyful. I, I often find myself saying, you know, when something does happen, gosh, I don't know how people do it without the hope of God. Like, I don't know how people walk through this world without that. Because if they, if you don't have the, if you don't have that glimpse, sometimes it is just a glimmer of light shining on you. If you don't have that, you're done. Like, and I often say that, like, I don't understand how people do it. Um, the last one, and we're coming to a close in a few minutes, is, um, perseveres. And, um, the other version says, endureth all things. <laughs> um, it endures. Um, in the secular Greek, I feel so studious. I'm like the Greek like, girl. Yeah, you are. I can't even like, say the word, but it's bring okay. Bring that legit um, theology. Okay, here, I'm going to try it. It's hupomino, right? Hupomino. Hupo, I'm like sure it sounds exactly like that. We got the stegosaurus, we got the hippopotamus <laughs> word. There you go. Um, so in the, in the secular Greek, this word endures or perseveres is this hupomino, hupomino, something. And it um, starts with an H, ends with an O. That's, a, that's all I got. But it, it's a military term. And basically, if... If you're a soldier and you hear that word, you're holding steady. Like, you're holding fast for whatever happens, hunkering down. (laughs) We're in the south. Can I say that? You're hunkering down until whatever. You're going to persevere through this enemy that's coming against whatever the, you know, fight that you're in. And, um, you know, as we apply that to the scripture and what Paul is saying here is it always perseveres. Like, hupomino, hold on. Like, stand firm, hang, hunger down. I kind of like that. Um, just hang on, because the end of this scripture is love never fails. And so the good news is that as bad as it gets, as hard as it gets, as dark as it might get, um, we win. Christ wins. And that's so awesome, because um, a lot of times we don't, we don't want to persevere. We don't want to endure. We want to give up and just be done with it. And I think a lot of times, um, just because like what Kyle was saying, our world is fallen. It's broken. And so there's things that will happen in our life that we have to endure. We have to persevere through. But the awesome, encouraging, beautiful thing is that God's going to protect you. He's going to give you trust in him. You definitely have hope and you can persevere, and you know for sure that he persevered. I mean, he died for me. That's pretty crazy when I think of just how broken this world is, and somebody died for me. Like, what? You know, you think that you would like to say if, you know, that whole situation, if there's a gun to your head, and 
you're supposed to say yes or no to Christ, what would you say? And of course, we all want to be like, yeah, I'm enduring, I'm persevering, yes, I'm saying yes. But Christ actually went through with that. He told, he told his dad, you know, dad, <laughs> I don't really get this, but I'm going to do it if it's your will, you know. Let it pass from me if it's not, but um, he is the perfect picture of endurance, um, finishing a race. I can't wait to start running again. And um, that's kind of like the picture that you see is the finish line. Like, oh, my gosh, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. Um, but just know that Christ endured for us, and he is enduring for us. That's, um, that's the hope that keeps us going. So all of this kind of just bleeds into one another. Um, and it's, it's just like a beautiful picture of the way that we are to treat our neighbor and the people next to us. And the people that we can't stand that gets on our nerves. <laughs> we need to persevere. You know, like those, God puts these here because love never fails. He never fails. If God is love and love never fails, then he's not going to fail us. And to me, that's just so awesome. It's always, 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 always. And then it's love never fails. It flips, it flips the coin that says it never fails. And maybe some of us are just, we're all wrestling with this at different levels and, and realizing this at different levels, but here's what I, I, I know for all of us is that God knows you fully. And, and maybe the best thing you can do is just be okay with that for a minute and just let him love you. <laughs> um... Just allow him to love you. Just allow him to restore some trust, to restore some hope, to, to restore a thought that maybe you can persevere through this situation that you're going through. Through losing your job, through a divorce, losing a loved one, maybe you can persevere. And I pray that we just find rest in the love of God today. Um, I just pray that we'd find rest in the love of God today. Very simply. And let that be so transformational for us. Because it is. You can feel it right now as just God speaking to you that it's transformational. We don't view life the same anymore. I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be standing here. I'm grateful that there's a roof over our head. There's shoes on my feet to be breathing right now, to not be in a hospital. Thankful. I begin to view everything not with closed hands, but with open hands. It changes, it transforms me. I know this is happening for all of us in different ways, and we're going to get to worship in just a moment, but I just want to pray a very simple prayer of the love of God be within us. One of the most interesting, I think, um, not contradictory and st contradicting statements but John, uh, in the Gospel of John, he called Jesus the light of the world. Mm -hmm. And in Matthew 6, Jesus says, you're the light of the world. <laughs> talking, about, talking about the church. John's like, you're the light of the world, Jesus. And Jesus is like, you're the light of the world. Jesus was sending him forth with kind of his big sermon on the mount. The longest sermon, the first big sermon Jesus ever preached. You're the light of the world. I pray that this transformational love would allow us to be the light in the world that he's called us to be.
Let's pray together. God, I thank you for Jesus. God, this whole text, Paul's talking to the church, but all I can get my mind on is Jesus enduring the cross for me, protecting and covering me by shedding his blood for me. God, so gruesome yet gorgeous and beautiful and attractive. All I can think about is Jesus, God, providing hope in a single moment of history. God, and I just pray in this place that we would just find rest for our souls that are having trouble trusting, that are dying for someone to protect us, that are searching for a glimmer of hope anywhere we can find it, that are struggling to fight through the night. God, I pray that we would shine as your love has transformed us to be the light of the world and impact our community, God. Share this light that you've given us. Share it, shine it bright. We thank you. We just pray that our hearts would be humbled responsive to your word to us today. In Christ's name, amen.